Hi, my name is Moran Ball, and you're listening to Functional Tennis Podcast. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm Fabio Molle, your host. One of my goals when I launched the podcast was to speak to a tennis agent and find out all about their role and journey. It's taken 80 plus episodes, but today I speak to Marion Ball, a vice president at IMG Tennis, who works with some of the world's best tennis players. It was worth the wait to learn all about his life and role. And I hope by the end of it, you have a better understanding of a sports agent's role and that it's not all about private jets, sponsor parties and player boxes. Before we get started, a shout out to our podcast sponsors, Slinger Bag, the awesome portable ball machine. To get more info on the Slinger Bag, head over to slingerbag.com. I hope in the near future to have the founder on to tell us how he came up with the idea, did over a million dollars on Kickstarter and grown it to be a household name in the world of tennis in a short space of time. Okay, let's cut over to Marijn. Hi Marijn, welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Thank you, uh, happy to be here. Thank you for having me. As I was telling you earlier, we've had 80, ep- we've had over, over 80 episodes of Functional Tennis Podcast. And if anybody reads our intro notes, one of my goals was to have an agent on the show and something that I haven't managed to do. And I'm delighted to have gone straight to the top here. So uh, thank you very much. Maybe we can start off by saying, uh, talk about the elephant in the room. Quarantine, how is life in Australia in your hotel room? Uh, thank you for asking. And uh, first of all, I appreciate the kind words and uh, I'm uh, privileged to be here. So uh, it's nice to uh, to have a chat. Um, uh, quarantine is good. It's, um, it's, it's challenging in one way, but in the other way, it's, uh, it's a good time to reflect. Uh, it's a good time to appreciate. It's a good time to understand uh, that we're talking about the bigger picture here. So um, I, I think we're taking the positives out of it. Um, it's not easy uh, living 14 days in a hotel room with no windows and no fresh air and not being able to move around like we're used to. But I think uh, we're coping with it pretty well, uh, I at least. And um, I'm staying extremely busy. So the time is actually flying for me, i got to be honest with you. So you're getting plenty of work done, plenty of deals done. All of the above, that's correct. Um, obviously, you know, dealing with the time zones quite a bit, you know, with, uh, with, with the States and with Europe and, and, uh, my IMG colleagues and my team, you know, they're in various places in the world. So, um, it's pretty much, uh, nonstop from the moment I wake up in the morning until I go to bed uh, pretty late at night. And, um, in between, obviously making sure that all our clients are, uh, doing well and have the, the, the things that they need to get through the quarantine for some of those that are like me stuck in the hard quarantine, unfortunately, and others that do have the privilege to um, go out every day and, and, and practice. So um, it's, uh, it's definitely keeping me busy. I, um, I made a, I, I, in the month of December, I started a list and I, I, I was writing things down of, that I was planning to do during these two weeks because I was thinking, you know, I'll have a lot of time on my hands to, you know, work on projects that I've been putting off for weeks or for months. And, um, you know, I, I came with my notebook full of full of uh, topics that I was going to work on. And I, I, I must say I've maybe crossed one off the list. It's just been every day managing and, and dealing with the situation we have at hand. But uh, but all in good form. That's procrastination for you. It, you just never, you just can't get on top of it. They always slip away. Tell us exactly 
first of all, what your role is in IMG? Yeah, sure. Um, I work for for IMG Tennis, as you as you know. I'm uh, one of the vice presidents in our tennis division. Been here for 13 years, and uh, I'm a player agent, uh, as they call it. So my sole responsibility is to, uh, is the day to day management and um, taking care of our tennis players, so to speak. So I'm uh, I'm an agent, uh, you know, by birth. I would like to say um, it's uh, it's it's what I eat, sleep, uh, breathe, and do every day. So um, that's uh, probably the short version of what we do. But we can get into that in a little bit more detailed. Yeah, I'd love to hear about how you got into it, but um, maybe a, a bit more background. So what I've in my head is, you say you're a player agent. What's the difference between a player agent and a player manager? Are they the same thing, or is there a different role? Well, if you would go to the dictionary, um, both uh, job descriptions or, or words have a slightly different meaning. A manager is more someone that is dealing with day-to-day planning and execution of, of, of things where an agent is, is maybe more you, you refer to as a, as a business-like uh, model uh, individual, uh, someone that's just f- purely focusing on, on the business side of things. And uh, the beauty of the job as a tennis agent is that we do both. Um, we are both managers and agents. And, you know, we flip between the two probably 350 time, times a day, if not more. So we, we, we wear a lot of different hats, I would like to say, as a tennis agent. Nice. And w- what players are, are you dealing with specifically in Australia? Um, so I have um, I have a big task on my hands. Um, I I have a, a number of uh, of IMG's top clients here that I work with uh, under my under my umbrella, so to speak, uh, with Petra Kvitova, Victoria Azarenka, Belinda Bencic um, on the women's side, and uh, and Kasper Ruud on the on the men's side, Jordan Thompson as well. So it's keeping me uh, it's keeping me on my toes and keeping me busy. Is it just you managing them, or do you have a a, a small team with you as well? Well, um, unfortunately, at this Grand Slam, I am I'm the only one here. Uh, obviously, the the pandemic uh, and the restrictions of travel to Australia, especially with the amount of people that are allowed to, to come into Australia, is very limited. So, um, we at IMG made a, a conscious decision to to travel very light, and actually, um, I was the only one going. Um, so, I'm taking care of obviously the, the greater group, the, the players I refer to. Um, are the ones that I personally manage on a day-to-day basis, but I'm obviously here to help uh, in our entire IMG agent uh, team and roster of clients uh, with whatever they need. So, um, you know, I have a, a few uh, long weeks ahead of me with, with lots of work and helping uh, each uh, individual player out uh, when they need something, but uh, that's, uh, that's what I love to do. So it's all good. It must be great to have access to, to these players. And, you know, you're, you're part of their family, aren't you? Each one which must be exciting. But tell me, what sort of requests would you handle on a day-to-day basis? I can probably fill an hour of, of explaining to you uh, the wide spectrum of requests that come your way. But uh, are you referring specifically to uh, here uh, this week in Australian yeah, quarantine l- or you're referring to on a general basis uh, on a regular day? Let's say a mixture of both of them. So let's say what sort of requests are, are players having now in quarantine? So Azarenka or Casper Ruud, you don't have to obviously tell me just what you can say. And then let's say once the Grand Slam hits, what's a usual request during a Grand Slam week? Well, we were obviously in a very unique situation uh, this past week and, and the coming week still. Um you know, we're dealing with a quarantine situation that's divided in two pieces, actually. Um, so there's a modified quarantine that was originally uh, planned for everyone. Um, 
that was coming here where you would be allowed to go out of the room for five hours a day to go practice at Melbourne Park. Um, so the, the quarantine period was somewhat manageable because the players still had the chance to, um, to practice and prepare themselves for the lead-in week and then the Australian Open. But unfortunately, as is well documented, there was uh, three flights coming into Australia of the charters that Tennis Australia provided for the players that had uh, multiple uh, multiple positive uh, COVID-19 cases on board. And um, the health department in Australia deemed everyone on those flights as um, close contact, which by rule and by law requires everyone in that case that is labeled a close contact to quarantine for 14 days. So referring back to your question, I um, and we at IMG have the unfortunate uh, situation that uh, several of our clients are in the hard quarantine. So they are different from the ones that can practice for five hours a day. They have to stay in their room 24-7. So it's a far from ideal preparation for Grand Slam, as you can imagine. But um, to Tennis Australia's credit, they're trying to do absolutely everything they can to make these players um, as comfortable as possible. So a large part of my day in the last week and probably for the next several days as well is, is really spending a lot of time, you know, making sure the players have what they need, whether it's, you know, an exercise bike or a treadmill or exercise equipment. And, and at the same time, I'm spending a lot of time with, with both Tours and Tennis Australia, understanding and discussing and, and being informed of what the what the plans are moving forward obviously there there's great concern about players not being prepared enough the, the unequal um preparation that the, the the one group has that is allowed to leave the room versus the other group that is not allowed to leave the room so those are those are the things that keep me very very busy um at the same time i'm, I'm working with uh with the greater img agent group um you know that's back home to make sure that their clients are all uh, have what they need and obviously even though I'm on the ground I can't do anything because I can't leave my hotel room it's obviously a little easier when you're here to get things done so um, there's a lot of uh, managing going on here uh, a little less agenting this week so to speak but uh, that that'll that'll be equaled out uh, probably once uh, once we all get out of here are you the guy they complain to so all the time where's this where's that <laughs> well, get me that Sometimes it's better that they complain to me uh, than they complain to to the organizers who are doing an unbelievable job trying to make this event happen. And, um, you know, players are, you know, they they're professionals, you know, so they understand they understand their responsibility. So I wouldn't say they're complaining, but, you know, we. We try to work together as good as we can and just to make make sure they have everything they need. You, you take the heat. Uh, and then let's say on on a, a usual, so you've been covering, how long have you been covering Grand Slams now? Yeah, so I, I think, um, as I mentioned, um, I started IMG 13 years ago and I think uh, we, can, we can talk about that uh, later on. I think you indicated that. So um, I've been coming to the Grand Slams, I think, for the past... 11 years, uh, maybe 12 years. Um, not right at the beginning when I started, but I, so, you know, the Grand Slams are, are the four uh, big markets of the year where a lot of our business is done. Uh, so in a normal uh, pre-COVID uh, world, you know, you travel to the Grand Slam the week before it starts and, and you're there to, you know, conduct your business. This is the tournaments where, um, you know, all the brands come and, and the people that invest in tennis and the tournament directors and the, and the sponsors. So you're doing a lot of breakfast meetings. You're doing a lot of contract negotiations. You're doing a lot of relationship building. You're doing a lot of appearances with your clients for their sponsors. 
you know, I think the misconception about agents is that, you know, they, you know, the outside world sometimes thinks we have a very uh, cushy job where, you know, we fly on private jets, we sit in business class, and then we get to enjoy tennis from the player box. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Um, that sitting in the player box is only happens very seldom, only when we have the time to sit there, um, because the rest of the time we're not being, we're not getting paid to sit in a player box. That that doesn't bring the player anything either. We need to spend our time in the player lounge with the sponsors and with the tournament directors and the ones that ultimately, you know, um, are willing to invest in either your player or your your event or your um, or your business. So that's 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 the main reason we're here to do business. And um, it's a exciting job. It's it's very demanding, um, especially the Grand Slam weeks. We get very little sleep because you're trying to maximize the time that you're here. And of course, um, when you're spending your day not in front of your computer, you're you know you're on site, you're in meetings. Uh, you know, work continues to pile up. So you got to find a good balance for that. Nice and. Tell me, how does it work? I'm sure your your players are much bigger time than my question here, but I'm an Irish guy. I get through qualities of Wimbledon, make first round. The Sun or an Irish paper, a UK paper, once say, okay, he's going to be playing Federer first round, centre court. And the, you know the way they get these on-the-spot sponsorship deals. How do they work for, if, you're, if you're a player? You're probably ranked 200 in the world. You've never had this, you know, issue before. You probably don't even have an agent. And how are, how are those quick, quick deals done? Well, you know, I think you're referring to if a, if a lower-ranked player would play, a, you know, a top player on a big court on a showtime where yeah. you get, you know, some brand exposure. So there are several uh, brands, um, you know, that, that, are, that are heavily invested in tennis and that like the exposure and that uh, particular take aim at the lower-ranked player that has the availability to put like a, a logo on their shirt or a patch or a... Uh, a hat on the coach in the bo- in the player box. So we know who they are. Um, they know who we are. So you know, it's a uh, we find each other. And um, if if that um, lower ranked player is is uh, looking for that opportunity, which which most of the times they are, we try to we try to match the seller with the buyer, so to speak. That's that's our job. Obviously, it moves pretty quick the transaction, and it's it's not heavily contract based, is it? Yeah, I mean, you know, these these are very different types of deals than that we're dealing with most of the time because these are all, you know, we call them one-offs. Which, you know, for the for the big bigger player and for the for the stars is, is not of interest. You know, we we try to focus a lot on on long-term uh, partnerships and 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 um, and deals, so to speak. But you know, for the lower-ranked player, for that young up-and-comer, it's it's a great way to build a relationship. It's great. It's a great way to earn some extra money. So if those opportunities exist, uh, we surely will take it, uh, take advantage for and deliver it to the client. Yeah, I was just always curious how they work because, you know, you, you see the up and coming, coming through, gets the break, playing a big name and they have a few patches on their arm then. It, it's interesting. But speaking of sponsorship and the bigger deals, do your players uh, come to you and say, I'd like to work with this brand or do you suggest brands or is it just sometimes it's one way, sometimes it's the other way? It goes a little bit both ways. I think um, you you referred a few minutes ago to uh, to the word family, um, and uh, you know every agent is a little bit different. But um, those that know me um, know that I'm I'm a very um, open and caring individual in general. And with every player that I work with, it's it's, it's like family to me. They feel the same about that. So you know we know a lot about each other. We know 
how we think, we know how we feel. We go through the ups together, we go through the downs together, but we, we have a very close relationship and, and we have a very open relationship, so to speak. So we, we, we talk a lot about you know, brands and wishes. So how I like to do it with my players, I always like to say to my players, listen, if you are driving along the road or you're sitting on an airplane and reading in a magazine about a brand that you like, you got to tell me because yeah. I'm going to call that brand. It doesn't matter how long it's going to take take me to get to the right person or get to the right person. I will find the right person at a brand and I will pitch you. And that doesn't always guarantee that it's going to be a success. But, you know, at least we got to try, right? And most of the time, we're pretty successful when it comes to these things. And we're also somewhat, um, you know, specific. It isn't like, you know, we're calling 300 brands and we just see what sticks. Yeah. No, we try to build a strategy. Um, we really try to think what matches with the player. And, you know, the second part of this is like, you know, obviously I have my vision. You know, I have an understanding and, and a goal and a vision where I want my player to be two, three, four, five years from now. And I try to build their portfolio with brands that I also believe are good fits. But ultimately, the player always has the last word, right? So again, the the openness of the relationship and the openness of the conversation is really important so that because then you can be very, very successful if you understand each other and you row in the right direction. So it's a, it's a two-way street, so to speak. Nice. Yeah. And they obviously, it helps if they're heavily invested in it because the brand would love that. I think it just works so much better rather than something being pushed on them. Well, I always say to um, to the brand uh, and to my players, like, you know, we are we are in this for the long run. You know, yes, we'll sign a contract, but, you know, a contract is, is exactly what it is. Uh, if you try to live by every word of a contract with a, with a sponsor, it's never going to last very long. But if you treat your sponsor like family, they will want to stick with you, you know, for the long haul. And, um, you know, that's always the goal and, and, and the kind of attitude we take into the partnerships. Nice. And tell, how has last year or the last well, 10 months so been with sponsors and contracts where there's certain appearances which just aren't happening anymore? Yeah, obviously, um, you know, it's well documented that the last 12 months have been, uh, you know, tough for for our industry and our business. But I think we at IMG have been have been pretty successful in, in what we've continued to do. I think we have gotten very creative working with our sponsors of our players and, you know, trying to See how can we how can we get benefit uh, without doing the in person appearance, but instead we'll do it online. Are there other types of things we can work on together, even that you know are not in the contract and that uh, you would normally not think about? So we're trying to get very creative, and uh, we've even seen through this pandemic that there are still companies and brands that are willing to invest, and we've been uh, successful with you know some new partnerships for our clients, and it's it's been. Uh, been for sure a, a reinvention of, of how we do our business and and where we do it but um, you know you have to adjust if you if you don't then you know it, it's not gonna turn out well for for you or for the player and, and and for the brand either so everybody's trying to work together and make the best out of the situation we're, we're in today and are ultimately brands in general deciding to spend less so if you've a new player if a player who's up and coming and you're trying to get deals from do you find it is a lot harder or you're still you're still working your magic i mean i i, just, I don't know if there's one you know one right or wrong answer to that question it just really depends on the situation you know um i would like to say that the majority of the brands that are interested in working with young players are, are are continuing to do so. And it may not be at the same level that we're used to, but I you know, if there's the interest and if it's workable for, for everyone, then we're gonna make it happen. So it just really depends who the brand is. It depends who the player is. It depends on 
you know, the, the timing. There, there's so many factors involved. It's really hard to give you one direct answer, yes or no, on that, so to speak. It's really depending on the situation and the player. Yeah, I, I can see that there. Let's take it back a few years, 15, 16, 17 years. How did you get into sports agency? And before that, are you a tennis player? Yes. Um, well, um, the story, how I got to where I am today or where we stand today, it's actually quite a long one. And I, I could probably fill uh, two lengths of your podcast with that. So I'll I'll try to condense it in, in a two-minute summary. But um, I'm 36 years old, actually. Um, and I was born and raised in, in the Netherlands. Um, grew up there. I lived in Germany for four years um, when I was uh, seven years old because of my dad's job. And my dad did a lot of traveling for work. So I was really always interested in you know places that my dad traveled to. And, and that's probably why I enjoy the travel and the tour as well, because I like to see the world. Um, but I was a I was a decent junior tennis player in Holland. I was nothing special. I I, I never had any 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 illusion that I was going to make it as a professional. But I was really interested in you know anything that had to do with tennis. I think when I was 12 years old, um, I could name from every player in the top hundred um, what racket and what clothing brand they played with. So I was really interested in all the all the assets that came you know off the tennis court. Um, and when I was um, when I was uh, 17 years old in 2001, I spent a summer in uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, um, teaching tennis at a summer camp. And um, I happened to I happened to play tennis one night with a with a gentleman that I met that were actually that was actually a, a friend of the neighbors of the people I was staying with. I don't want to make it too complicated, but um, this is important for the story later on. And and this gentleman worked for a company called IMG. And at the time, I had no idea what IMG was. And and IMG was at the time headquartered in Cleveland, Ohio. So um, I spent that summer of 2001 in the United States uh, teaching tennis at a summer camp. And, and some of the guys that were doing the same were all talking about college tennis. And you know, I asked them, what's college tennis? Can you explain something to me about that? And they explained to me how the college tennis system works in the United States. And I was sold from there on. Um, you know, I was not good enough to become ever a professional, but I thought I, I could have the level to play college tennis. So after that summer, I was very focused to finish high school, which, you know, I did two years later. And um, I was lucky enough to get a, a tennis scholarship, um, had a bit of a journey, but uh, ended up um, at Division II school and, uh, in Georgia. I tell you, when I started college in 2004, in the fall of 2004, I uh, I said to my parents, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I, this is my dream. I wanna I wanna experience this for six months, and don't worry, I'll come home and and uh, January 1st uh, I'll start college in the Netherlands." Well, we're now uh, almost 17 years later, and I I have not uh, fulfilled that promise to my mom. So she's still waiting. <laughs> it, it worked out for the best. So yeah, still waiting. So. Six months of college tennis turned into four years, um, and in my in my senior year, I was really focusing on you know what I wanted to do. I wanted to you know work on the business side of tennis, but I was very like very. I was not trying to limit myself to just being an agent. I, I you know I wrote letters to Nike, I wrote letters to Adidas, I wrote letters to every brand you can probably think of, and you know then in the back of my mind, I I obviously knew what IMG was. Or that the, what sports management was in tennis management, and and then I realized that I had played six years before that in the summer of 2001 tennis with a guy that worked for IMG. <laughs> so I I I I sent him an email and I said, you probably don't remember who I am, but we we played tennis in 2001, and um, 
know, I'd love to, I'd love to learn more from you how I can ever, you know, set my foot in the door in this business. So, um, I called him up and, um, he, he, of course, yeah, he remembered me and, um, we had a great conversation and he made an introduction. And six months later, when I graduated, I was lucky enough to get a, an unpaid uh, summer internship at, at IMG Tennis, uh, which was you know, a dream come true for me. There was absolutely no guarantees for a job. It was an eight-week internship for a summer and no guarantees of nothing. So I packed my stuff. I actually drove to Bradenton, Florida, where my internship was uh, going to be based because um, IMG uh, you know, owns the Voluntary Academy there, and we had two agents based there. And I, I walked in the door um, there in early June, and um, you know, I had two months to to work and get experience and put it on my resume with no guarantees of anything. And uh, I think I worked 19 or 20 hours uh, a day during that summer, you know, just trying to prove myself and and do whatever I possibly could to um, you know show that that I was worthy enough to to get a chance. And um, you know, on the on the last week of my internship, I was hoping to get a call every day, but nothing happened. So I I walked into the office um, on a Friday afternoon at five, you know, saying my goodbyes, and they um, they sat me down in a chair and they they said, you know, that they um, they had a position open a, for an assistant, and if I was interested, and I said absolutely, I I, uh, I it was like a dream come true. So there was uh, I was a, I was an assistant at IMG. Um, you know, for multiple years, for three, four years to, to learn the business. And till today, I still believe that is the absolute best way to, to work in this industry and be successful as an agent is to, to start as an assistant, start young. You know, I was, I was just turning 23 years old, getting out of college when, when I started as an, as, an, as an assistant. And that's how you learn the business. You know, you, you go through a cycle for a few years and you build your relationships and you get to understand how, to, how this world works. And, um, after three, four years, they told me, you know, now you, you know, go sign that next uh, Federer, go find the next Sharapova and you start recruiting young players. And at the same time, you get some opportunities with pro players. And before you know it, it's 13 years later and, and here you are. So it's, uh, it's been a, it's been an incredible journey. It's, um, it, I, I actually always tell some, you know, I have some friends who I went to college with that, you know, work on wall street and, you know, have, have, have other jobs and office jobs and, they probably make a lot more money than I, but they, I always tell them that I don't feel like I'm working a day in my life. I, I wake up in the morning and I have more passion than the day before. And I, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a privilege to, to work in this business and, um, and do what I do on a daily, day, daily basis. Well, it sounded like you've always wanted to be in tennis, which is great because, look, so many people don't know what they want to do. I know tennis players want to be tennis players, but outside of that, it, you, you know, it's hard. A lot of people just, don't know, but you sound like you want to work in tennis and you figured out a way to, you know, to work in tennis, which is amazing. And so what did you major in? I was a double major in, in college. I have a, a marketing and sports management degree. Um, I, okay. I, you know, I played college tennis, which was uh, an incredible experience. And I owe everything I have today to just, you know, hitting against the yellow tennis ball. And, and, and those four years in college really, you know, matured me from you know a child or 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 a teenager to to a to a young man and i was a double major because i wanted to make sure i had enough credentials on my resume that gives me the biggest chance to to get an opportunity to work in the tennis business so um i double majored in this case nice 
At Functional Tennis, we are all about helping your tennis game get 1% better every day. That's why our match and practice journals are a great tool to have in your gear bag. The Functional Tennis match and practice journals help you plan and evaluate your matches and practice sessions. It includes goal setting, quotes, pressure tests and more. It's used by players of all ages and levels and it's a great way to get away from your phone and focus in on your game. To learn more, visit functionaltennis.com. And who were the, some of the early players that you worked with when you landed, when you're doing your internship in IMG? Do you remember? Well, I'm sure you remember them. Any we know of? Yeah, yeah. You, you, you know very well. I, um, Kane Shikori was just, I think, 17 years old at the time and had just made that run at Delray Beach that spring. So I rolled, when I rolled in uh, and, and started um, as an assistant, I was working a lot on the Nishikori account. I was working a lot on the Sabine Lasicki account. I Worked a, a ton with uh, Vera Zvonareva and uh, Yelena Yankovic at the time. You know, I, I wasn't the the responsible one, but I was working with their agents and and you know being part of the team. Um, and that those were my earliest um, experiences with you know top players and you know how I um, how I just learned the business over the years. Nice. There wasn't a kid called Lazar Kushvili. Yeah, from Georgia. Do you remember him? It was before my time. Um, I know of Lazo. I've met him, but um, I think he had faced out of out of the tennis world a little bit by the time I started. But I, I definitely know um, who Lazo is, and, and we've met a few times. He's a good friend of mine. He's based in. He's been in Dublin probably since then, and he worked in National Training Centre. He was a good guy. He gave it a go over here, and yeah, we you know the tennis players. But he was yeah really good guy. Has a little kid now and still still hits the ball so good. Yeah. Uh, he's good. So that's that's funny that you recognise the name. And with the likes of like Max Eisenbud, famous IMG agent, would he have been around IMG at the time? Yes, uh, yes. Max was um, was uh, one of the agents um, in the company at the time. I was actually uh, working as an assistant under under Oliver Van Lindonk, who is um, you know still a current IMG agent and one of my colleagues. Uh, and Max was uh, at the time uh, you know working um, out of Miami office, which he still does. Was the um, was the agent of Maria Sharapova and Lina and, and, you know, very successful as we all know. And um, after my first uh, few years um, as an assistant, when I started to kind of become, you know, a, a young agent, a junior agent, um, I would really spend, I spend a lot of time with Max on the road and Max is very instrumental in, in my development. I, I, I looked up, I looked up to him a lot and, and, he was he was kind of a mentor for me for many years, especially because I you know I was I was starting to manage some top female clients and obviously Max with his experience with Lina and and Maria like really taught me you know the business of women's tennis um, when I was coming up. Uh, we were traveling to a lot of the same tournaments. We had you know some semi-final and final Grand Slam battles against each other with our clients. It was a fun a fun road in those early years to understand you know, the bigger vision and, and really shaped me um, who I am today. Nice. So that, that's some good mentor you had. And how does male versus female player relationship differ? Well, I mean, there's, there's so many differences, but there are also so many similarities, right? Um, they're, they're all incredible athletes uh, in the first place. And they're second, they're incredible human beings. Um, they have the same, they go through the same emotions, they go through the same ups, they go through the same downs. Um, but every, every individual is different. I don't think you can just say the women are different in one way than the men. Um, 
every player is their own unique self and is their own unique individual, is their, has their own traits and, and things they weigh and like. So I don't think you can classify it just between men and women. There, there's a big difference between between everyone. You just got to understand, obviously, spend time with the person, understand the person and know what works for them. And each, whether you're male or female, you're unique. Yeah, I think one of the one of the main traits of a successful agent is that you you, you have to have very good people skills. You got to be able to read, and you got to be understand, and you got to be able to 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 be, become part of who they are, right? You got to be able to adapt and to to step in their shoes and to to walk in their footsteps or walk ahead of their footsteps sometimes, just to make sure you clear the path for them, right? And you gotta you gotta understand how to how to maneuver that. You, you, the people skill is a very important skill as, a, as an agent. Yeah, no, I can see it's the main, probably the main, one of the main parts of the of the job. And how many years did you spend based at IMG? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So I, as I said, I, um, I showed up in, um, in, the, in June of 2008 as an unpaid summer intern there uh, in Bradenton. And I, um, I was in Bradenton for 11 years. Um, spent uh, the first 11 years there and then um, in March of 2019 I made a move out uh, out west to Los Angeles um, you know I had an unbelievable uh, 11 years in Bradenton I, I learned absolutely everything I know today I, I learned there but you know it also had its limitations in a way that I was looking to, to grow in the business and especially because um, as you as you probably well know um, IMG is is part of uh, a greater company called WME and Within the WME company, we have WME Sports that uh, oversees that IMG Tennis is part of, uh, so to speak. And I was looking forward to to learn more about our company and to and to grow myself as an individual by surrounding myself with people that I was looking up to uh, and that I could really learn from because ultimately that's gonna benefit my clients, right? So um, that was the business reason of moving. Um, I also was looking forward to. You know, I was, you know, I'm 36 years old and I wanted to, you know, experience a little bit of a different uh, lifestyle than, you know, the the relaxed Florida retirement uh, living, so to speak. Um, and, you know, L.A. is obviously the polar opposite from what, what Braden from Florida was. But I was really looking for that new adventure, so to speak, and, and uh, you know, expand my horizon a little bit and, uh, and give it a change. And it's been uh, it's been a great move. I'd say those years now, IMG really helped like use an agent. Obviously, with the players that the academy gets through there, it's it's a it's a good place to scout. And speaking of junior players, what do you look for in a player? Like, how do you find a player first of all that doesn't come through? So, are you is it you or other members of your team are going to I don't know, Liz Petty's as in in France and checking out the players? Is that where it starts, or do you have little? people around the world who are calling you saying, look, check out this player, check out this player? Well, um, all of the above. <laughs> so, um, we, you know, in the early years as a, as a young agent, you spend a lot of time recruiting and going to junior tournaments and all around the world. Um, but I still do it, do it today as well. Um, a little bit less than I used to do in the past. I think one of the greatest uh, privileges as an agent is that you can if you start working with a with a client at a young age, which I've I've had the privilege to do with with quite a few of my clients, you you can walk with them through that journey, right? And you you can you can really help them shape their future. And 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 again, like I said, for at least for myself, with all my clients, I I we're a fa- we're like family um, with each other. So 
when you start as an agent to do a lot of recruiting, I still do it. We have a great team. Uh, we all recruit. We're, we are based all over the world. I think we have a great recruiting network. But to answer your question, what do you look for in a player? And this is, this is obviously, there, there are so many factors. But I think the, the best metaphor I can give you for this is like, imagine, and, and I think everybody has had this experience when you go buy a house, right? You, you know, you go look at four houses and you may not, you know, there's, when you see the house, you're just not convinced. Maybe, maybe, but you you're ultimately gonna settle on a house that you walk in, and the moment you walk in, you know, like this is my house. This is where I feel comfortable. This is where I want to live. And it's a little bit the same with 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 a player when you're trying to recruit them. Not at all times, but you gotta you gotta understand what the potential is. You gotta understand where they're coming from, but you gotta understand who they are and what their support system is and what their support cast is because someone can be number one in the world under 14 years old. But if, if they not have, don't have the right support system or they don't have the, the right potential, you know, like it's great when they're 14, but ultimately we're, we're trying to win Wimbledon here. We're not trying to be the best 14. So um, there's some, there's many factors involved. Uh, obviously there's a business side to it, uh, you know, marketability, you know, where you're coming from, do you have the potential to be in the top 10? There's, there's all sorts of boxes you can take, but ultimately it's a feeling. It's a feeling of, walking in that house and saying, that's the house I love, that's the house I want to buy. It's a good feeling that obviously probably gets more refined and better for you every year. You know more and you just, you, pr- you probably just know this kid has it or has the potential to have it. And it's experience really. Yep. Uh, how has it changed from uh, your early days to now? Like, well, I wouldn't say 100% accurate, but you just know that kid can go places. Yeah, I mean, experience. Compared to back when you first compared back to when you first started, like two years into it. How has that feeling actually changed? Well, when you start, you, you don't have anything to compare it to, right? Or you have no no real experience where you can base it on. But I think it's very obvious when you see a young player, you you can tell what their potential is and how good they are. We, you don't have to be a brain surgeon for that, right? And I think having a college tennis background, having competed at a you know, decent level in, in Holland, you know, or, you know, around the world. And when I was playing college tennis, I think you, you understand, you have a feeling you, you're not going in blind. And I think the great thing about IMG is we have a lot of experienced agents in in the business. And when I was young, I looked really up to their leadership and how it has changed now is, you know, I, you know, I've been here for quite a long time and we have a lot of younger agents that are going to the growth that I went to at the time. So, I'm I'm spending a lot of time mentoring them. I'm spending a lot of time helping them. I'm spending a lot of time uh, being part of their their process to try to assist them and to help them so that when they um, you know go and and recruit that they know what they're looking for and then they see what they're looking for. So it's a uh, it's experience. It's it's um, you know you you go through this for many years and it 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 it's it, I'm not going to say it becomes easier, but you you understand it better and it becomes more of a it's part of what you do. So it's a natural thing. Nice, nice. And is is there a certain attraction to players from uh, different countries, more exotic countries, which maybe don't have, like, let's say a top 100 player? Is it China doesn't, is it China doesn't have a top 100 player? If Is there an advantage to getting a, a player that you think could have potential in the future from China, could become top 50? All of a sudden you have a superstar in China and everybody wins in that situation. Of course. Is, is that something you're actively looking for? Of course. And, you know, China is obviously where everybody is looking. Uh, but it's not only China. I mean, imagine India is a country of, of 1.5 yeah. 
one billion people, right? Uh, I don't think you need to be top 10 in the world if you're from India to be, you know, very successful as a tennis player of the tennis court. And, you know, I think if you're 15 in the world and you're from India, that it's going to be paying a great dividend to everyone. So, you know, we're obviously, like everybody does, is, is looking for that. But it's not the only thing that, that we look for. You know, I think if you if you have the potential to be a star, we will find you and you will find us. And, you know, we want to, we we work with the stars. I think IMG's history of the last 50 years has shown that every major uh, champion, you know, over the last 50 years has, has, has been with IMG and we're going to continue to do so. And we have the formula for it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So let's move on. I don't have too many more questions here. Uh, a couple, uh, a well, three or four left uh, here, but one is particular with with the rise. I'm sure you, you've answered question of this before, but the rise of the smaller, more boutique agencies. So the likes of I know Andy Murray's 77 Management with Simon Fuller. Uh, I know I know the guys at Tenium, uh, teammate. How, how much of a challenge has that made your job more recently? Well, you know, I think. Uh our landscape has obviously become more competitive. Um, the, the the one thing that I can tell you is that many of these uh, smaller boutique agencies are, you know, run or have people that have always have worked for IMG, have started IMG. There's been, you know, several of these companies that you're mentioning, the people that are in charge used to be my colleagues. So yeah, the, the business has def- definitely become more competitive. There are more, so to say, um, smaller agencies or even just single individuals out there. I don't think it affects us um, as too much because, you know, I think that that we have our history has proven and, and we proved that today that the real stars, we have the infrastructure. Like I said, um, IMG is a very diverse company. Um, you know, we fall under the WME sports umbrella and WME is a, is a very big um, global um, entertainment agency. And we have all the, you know, all the all the assets that you're looking for as a global superstar under one umbrella. Um, I think... You know, Naomi Osaka is maybe the perfect example. Um, you know, Naomi uh, is American. Uh, sorry, is, is Japanese, but she lives in America. But, you know, she is a global athlete. And IMG having its arms all over the world, um, Stuart, who is my colleague and, and Naomi's agent, it's not all Stuart who is in charge of, of what she does. He has a whole team around the world that, that works with him and has the resources for Naomi to be become, you know, of the court who she is and who she wants to be. And I think that that ultimately is going to determine uh, how successful the player is, the infrastructure. So the boutique agency um, is for some a good option, but if you want to expand yourself and be a global superstar, you're needing that global footprint and that, um, you know, that, 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 that marketing arm and, and those salespeople that do, you know, that spend day and night selling tennis. Like Lee Na was a perfect example, Max, who, who you referred to earlier. You know, managedly now for most of uh, the successful part of her career. And Max Eisenbutt is sitting in Miami. Uh, he doesn't speak Chinese. He uh, goes to China, but he, you know, we have a we have a China office that was instrumental in the success of Lina and especially the endorsement space. So it's it wouldn't be the right thing to think that you as an agent by yourself can can manage a global superstar without any help from the outside. Or uh, I, I mean, with the outside, I mean, from other people in the company. Um, and when we have the global superstar that we work with, which we have many of, um, 
they get help from from around the globe. Yeah, that makes total sense. That infrastructure and how you guys are after the big superstars. Naomi Osaka this week signed. I saw a work a workday deal, which is quite quite impressive. Uh, workday, a great company. Uh, some friends who work for them and. I think in most countries they get awards that they're the best company to work for. So I think that's a great association for her. That's a good deal. Well done there. Yeah, no, it's it's great to see. And, uh, you know, I think they, um, they're having done an amazing job on Naomi's business and she's going to continue to do so. And it's something that we're obviously very proud of. And uh, she is the, she's the absolute uh, perfect example of the global footprint uh, that IMG and, and the WME Sports Network have um, that makes Naomi so successful because um, she's thriving and will continue to do so. Great. And do you work with any other sports or just tennis? No, I um, I actually only work with tennis. Um, so that's my, it's my livelihood. That's uh, what I uh, breathe, eat, sleep and, um, and wake up with every day. Um, never say never to maybe expand, but at the moment uh, I'm perfectly fine and happy with what I'm doing. Nice, you haven't got involved in a in a draft day, in a in a first draft pick. No, not at this point. But uh, you never know what the future holds. And final question: I'm not sure if people have read the book, but there's a great book I was recommended years ago, and it's what they don't teach you at Harvard by the IMG fa- founder Mark. McCormick. Did you have to read that book when you started IMG? No, I had read it already myself. And it's uh, it's one of the most incredible books um, I've ever read. Uh, I'm actually, um, you know, Mark had uh, passed away a few years before I started IMG. And I'm actually, uh, I, I wish I had, a, I would have, I had a chance to meet Mark. I've obviously heard incredible stories about Mark. I've, I've read all his work and, you know, uh, we have, uh, we have several senior agents in our, our division that um, have been there longer than I have who had the privilege to work with Mark and it's inspiring to listen to them. And I think he will always be an inspiration for all of us in this business uh, for many years to come. That will probably never change. Yeah, and many other businesses because I know plenty of people who are not in any sort of sports business or agency business and they've read the book. It's been recommended numerous times. Anybody who's interested in any sort of business should really read what they don't teach at Harvard. Really great book by Mark. And yeah, thank you very much, Ryan. Uh, really enjoyed chatting to you. And yeah, that's it. If you uh, ever need anything from us, let us know. We're here to help. We're here to chat to some of your players if you want, but hope the, the rest of quarantine goes well and your guys, your team, your players get on great at the Aussie Open. Thank you very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and uh, keep up the great work that you're doing with Functional Tennis and um, happy to assist and uh, wishing you all the best. I hope you now have a better understanding of the agent's role. I definitely do. I really enjoyed that chat with Marijn and I'm very envious of his job. I know it curtails a lot of hours traveling and dealing with issues and sorting out stuff, but it sounds like an unbelievable job, challenging job, and to have access to the players is amazing. So keep up the great work, Marijn. Before I end this episode, there's one thing I wanted to cover which just slipped away and I'll just try get it across now, but it's only something I learned a few days ago. And it's that if a kid signs a contract with an agency, so the kid could be 10, 12, 13, even 17, they are deemed to be a professional athlete, 
which then makes him not eligible to gain a US tennis scholarship. It's just something to be aware of. I wasn't aware of it. And it's it's quite interesting because, you know, as a 12-year-old, you could be signed to an agency and you're taking away your ability then to get a US scholarship further down the line. Who knows what's going to happen? So it's just something to consider, something to think about. And I thought it'd be right that you're made aware of this. But uh, thanks again to Marion for coming on. Really appreciate it. And I'll be back next week. Until then, I uh, hope you're busy watching tennis and take care. Bye. Bye.